They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. and hello there you're listening to always look on the bright side of life this is the somerset cricket podcast my name's ian shepherd and joining me this evening i've got steve tancock dan kingdom and the voice of cricket on bbc radio somerset anthony gibson and well with three games into the vitality blast campaign three wins out of three life is good um three pretty comprehensive wins so should we leave it at that and catch up in a week's time <laughs> nothing about nothing to moan about <laughs> nothing to moan about shall we start with riley russo anthony what do you think of riley, riley russo <laughs> he, he's convinced well, he's, you is he <laughs> he's i tell you one thing he's a very nice young man i interviewed him after the game at uh, canterbury and always uh, if you've never uh, interviewed a cricketer before you've sort of imagined subconsciously that their personal personality is going to be a bit like the way they bat you know, which in, in Riley Russo's case is all guns blazing. And it wasn't at all. He was he was quiet, modest, pleasant, and talked very sensibly about the game. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a Riley Russo convert, I think. But, 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 but he does hit the ball in the air an awful lot. And that does mean he's always um, liable to get out. Last night at uh, Southampton, I was working with Kyle Abbott, amongst others, and I said, you know, <coughs> Somerset only need 124. They don't need to hit the ball in the air. And Kyle said, there's no way, there's no way that Riley Russo is not going to hit the ball in the air. And sure enough, good patience. And then he tried to hit it out the ground, mishit it and got caught in the deep. But no, he's, he's a good player. Good player. Yeah, I had a bit of a, I had a, bit of a busy day uh, yesterday, listeners. I'm a trip down to Cornwall, Eden Project, all sorts of with self-catering caravans I had to go to Tesco so to my shame I fell asleep for the climax of the uh of the of the run chase just just when we were uh just when we were going to go a bit Somerset and maybe balls it up but we we got over the line in the end um yeah three from three Steve what, what is that about life is good la vie est belle as they say over la manche <laughs> very good um it was weird because 10 overs into last night I thought we are going to make it three out of three and three very similar wins. You know, put bat second, chase comfortably and, you know, pick up a nice net run rate gain again. And then, as, as it, ever with Somerset, we had to make it a little bit harder for ourselves. But what has pleased me most has been the bowling. The fact that pretty well all the bowlers have contributed. You know, so Lewis Gregory only bowled two overs, two for eight. Uh, last night obviously Marchant had a rubbish start down in Canterbury and has then been stellar ever since and I think it's that nice mix and of course as Dan patented and now I've jumped on the bandwagon Josh Davey watches really good and I tell you what Dan some of Josh Davey's catches in the last couple of games have been pretty special haven't they because they've been those horrible thick edge swirly things down behind the bat so yeah, really, really, really pleased. You know, when you win like that and win comfortably, and as I said in the blog last night, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that by Friday we could have one foot in the knockout. 
because if we win two more and we've got 10 points, you know, you normally expect sort of 14 to 16 to get you into the knockout stage. That would be a very nice position to come in when we go back into Red Bull for a week. Yeah, so what have we got? we got Sussex tomorrow. we got Glamorgan on Friday. Is it, and then that's it until Gloucester next Thursday? Or is there one in the middle of that? No, that's, it's Gloucester next Thursday is the one after that, yeah. Mm. Is there a championship round that we're not involved in? No, no, it's just if you look at the tables, we've played three and Surrey have only played one, for example. So I think it's just the way the fixtures are fixtures are falling i'm just looking there's games saturday sunday sorry sun yeah saturday sunday monday it's a disgrace though sky are clearly following the ecb's agenda is our conspiracy theory for the night incoming by they got the ipl final again tonight which was a thrilling game not from what i saw and read about it whereas you've got some really good matchups on the t20 tonight it just infuriates me it's just... yeah the reason for that is um since the hundred um the, the tv deal is obviously different so sky mm. aren't obliged to show as many blast games i think in 2019 oh, yeah. i think it was 36 blast games that they showed um right. whereas this year it's about half that um mm. obviously they're still showing all the knockout matches as far as i'm aware but there's a significant reduction in group stage matches that they show so it means you get nights like tonight and last night which are empty nights in terms of mm. cricket but they don't show anything um and mm. i mean uh, you know obviously i don't know how high the viewership is for blast matches but the ecb should be you know on sky's case saying hang on come on let's let's just try and negotiate a few more games here you know um maximize the cricket that's on and you know have have something on every night it just seems it's, obvious. It's, it's the equivalent of a supermarket spending hundreds of pounds on barbecue charcoal at the moment and then leaving it all in the warehouse, isn't it? It's just bonkers, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds. So it just, it can, there can only be, you know, this, we reduce the number of blast games. Maybe it's a compliment to the live streams. But I think we all know the ECB veterans. I think they've actually had that much thought go into the decision they've made. But getting last well, yeah, point, I mean, if, if getting we didn't have the live streams, we, we were just having to, you know, no disrespect to Anthony's fellow radio commentators, but if you were just stuck listening to these games on the radio, it wouldn't be the same as as watching them on the, the live streams or the TV. But being on the TV, you've just got that extra level of professionalism with the broadcast, haven't you? We don't, no disrespect to any of the live streams, but they, they aren't quite where Sky are in terms of having all and, the super slow-mos and all the different angles. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the catch last night with um, with Lamanby and, was it Rand, uh, Van der Merve he palmed it over to? Yeah. We'd have seen that about, you know, seven, eight different angles and, you know, super slow-mo. We've been able to relive it in all its glory, but because it's just one camera, one angle on a live stream, it's, I don't know, it kind of just loses its... Uh, but it's it's it the it's the promoting the game thing, isn't it? If you if you think about, you know, I think back twenty years when Matthew was younger, we'd be sitting down this evening, you'd flick through the channels and go, Oh look, Lancashire playing Nottinghamshire tonight. It's on Sky, let's watch a bit of that. And it that enabled me to get him into the game as much as him coming to watch me play. Now, you you know, we all know the live streams. We all know that Dan tweets the links to the live streams every day. But 
some casual person who might have a passing interest in cricket and go, well, the football season's finally over. Let's see what cricket's on. They're going to go, there's no live cricket tonight. And, that, you know, it's that. Yeah. We, you've got to remember that people aren't as into it and dedicated as us. And those are the people you're looking to attract. Yeah, I mean, when you're going through your, your Sky plan or your Virgin TV or whatever, the, the live, um, uh, sort of the, having live in the title of the programme, it, it just captures your interest a little mm. bit more. I mean, I even found myself watching a bit of baseball the other day, Steve. It was uh, good stuff. Just because it said Who live. Was playing, in Ian? Um, I don't know, but he was bowling a lot of full tosses, and the umpire won't call him in for throwing. Um, um, who was it? Let's Who's move on. Bird? Who's got a bird St. on there? St. Louis tops? Cardinals or the Baltimore That's, Orioles? I think it was St. Louis, and I can't remember who the other ones were. Um, but they were about 46 for five. And uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Anthony's just gone off to do a bit of Charlie, if you're uh, wondering where he is. Of course, Charlie <laughs> Taylor and the live <laughs> to do Charlie. Uh, speak to Charlie Taylor for the BBC Radio Somerset Cricket Show. Um, so that's where he is for the moment. Um, it the so yeah, Brewers, Ian. It was the yes, it was. I remember that. Yeah, it was them. Um, hey, how about now. that, Dan? That was even Dan's impressed, but I can see by the astonished look on his face, not. Sorry, I didn't actually hear what you said. It's all right. I just I just flipped back through my baseball app and see who was playing at the weekend. That was all. So if if we're following the uh, the Somerset CCC logic, then the Milwaukee Brewers have got a pint of mineral water on their on their uniforms. Is that right? Uh, oh, listen to the tumbleweed. Got me now. I don't know what they. That's a really good question. I think. No, it's because Milwaukee's the home of um, oh, so this is the home of Bush Stadium at the highs of Bush, and Milwaukee's another one of the big American breweries, but it's I can't remember who. Budweiser oh. people is St. Louis. Oh, that sort of Bush. Anyway, that's enough about baseball. That's the baseball moratorium for tonight. We've done our two minutes on baseball. Should we talk about March and Delanger? silencing the doubters me included was it four for nine he got on sunday bold really tidy again yesterday but can the budget sustain four overseas players can we sustain having two overseas well march it's not just for march it's not just for t20 he's for life at the moment but um yeah i mean i think we we're all surprised when peter siddle wasn't named in in the squad so we knew matt renshaw was going to make way for for riley russo but i mean i think last week we all had peter siddle named in our squads and mm-hmm. yeah hold march and rocks up i suppose they're never going to have delanger and siddle in the same squad purely because it, it restricts your options if if a non-overseas bowler gets injured for example you you, you can't you can't play both of them so you have to just have your two overseas in the squad and kind of hope for the best but yeah, pace, accuracy, nous. Yeah, he looked properly it? scary last night, didn't he? he? He, you know, he was aggressive as well. And we we all said about him playing for that team in the Midlands that might have a rocket in its name in the other competition and how he bowled in that. And I was like, this is this is what we really want from it. Anthony was saying at the start about Riley Russo's nothing like what you expect as a player, and I think Marshall's like that as well because. He, he, as soon as he hit the the um, 
I said, who was it? Uh, the guy got all the runs in the lower order for Hampshire. James um, Fuller. Fuller, yeah. He hit him, didn't he, on the shoulder, and he sort of ran down and checked he was okay. I suspect there were some, some fast bowlers of old turning in their graves at the sight of that. But, you know, hey, if he can... If he can do that two games out of three, you're going to accept the one that isn't quite so good, aren't you? Yeah, Pete Trigo said on the uh, on the live stream commentary for the Essex game that you want match winners in your team, and they they consider March on a, a match winner, not someone who's just going to be consistent and bowl you four overs to twenty eight every single game. Mm. You've got to expect that he'll go for forty forty five in one game, but he might do what he did against Essex. He had to take four for nothing off his three, four overs, whatever it was. And and yeah, and in, that sort of play. And in is, fairness, is what you the, problem at, okay. the problem at Canterbury, I think, was we ran out of options at the end because Lewis had bowled his overs and Ben Green had bowled his overs. So when Marchant had gone for, what, 25 in two, he had to bowl the last over, whereas you'd like to have thought, it's not your night tonight, Martin, and let it go. But Abel said, didn't he, in the Sky interview afterwards, because Sky covered that game, thankfully, um, mm-hmm. he said that his head was spinning because, you know, captain in the first T20 game for a while. And I suspect that's one of the things they focused on, because if you notice the last two games, they've had overs in hand from the likes of Gregory or Green when they finished. Obviously, Davey and Delang are the two they're going to prefer to bowl out most of the times. So, happy days. Absolutely. So, yes, Somerset are top of um, the South Group of the Vitality Blast. Play three, one, three, six points, a net run rate of 1.419, which is 0.5.6 and a bit higher than Middlesex's, who have also played three, one, three uh, with six. And then, yeah, well, let's not go through the rest of the table because it is early doors and T20 cricket, especially where the tables can change, games can change on a sixpence. And I suspect um, there will be sides having a run of form a bit later on who will come storming up that table. So I'm trying to multitask here. I'm trying to just go back to the card for Sunday's game. And I can't find it. This is this is thrilling, thrilling listening. It was Sunday the 29th of May. Where is it? It was. There we go. Oh, it's right Essex down the bottom. Essex 139 for nine. Yeah. Pepper 37, Critchley 60. Batted really well, didn't he? Really well. Um, and nobody else got into double figures apart from Sam's got 14. Delanga four for nine off three overs, including a double wicket maiden, I think. And Josh three for 31. Um, but... Ben Green was the one who got tonked, wasn't he? He, went, he only bowled one over and went for 14. And then in reply, Will Smead and Riley, 58 and 67, 12 sixes. <laughs> and I know it's Taunton, but it was a, uh, a bit of a run. Top flight of the retirement flats again. He likes, he likes peppering those. Yeah, so that Essex game, but a reduced... Or, no, we did. We had an increased target. So the rain came... When Essex had, was it two overs to go, and their innings would have been reduced three. to 19. Three overs, was it? Sorry. Yes. See, one yeah, thing I don't get about T20 is we've got the lights. Why don't they just, if it's only like a couple of overs, why don't they just play on? 
I know they've got cut off times and whatnot, but it would just make sense to go. Because I had a train to catch. Oh. So if they'd gone on too much longer, I'd have missed that. I would have had to miss the uh, end of the match. That's why. Oh, so it's your, your name is... If you, if he you, sent if you an email. ECB he say, sent an email, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Dear Rob Key, these are the list of the trains I'll be catching back to Birmingham from Taunton this year. Please ensure that all games at Taunton are managed so that they do not go past uh, the, these particular times. Yours, DK. Exactly that. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I think the, the the other the other thing is they have to be consistent. You know they they have to apply the same rules um, when weather intervenes to every game, regardless of how much time theoretically there there may be available. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we did try and sneak the Duckworth Lewis conversation in. Oh, while I, missed it. Just, I uh, missed it. What a shame. Oh, well, we we're just gonna we're just a little bit through. We've we've had a little chat about Marchant de Langer and, and the. The previous two games, but yes, yeah, Steve, Steve is coming off. Is going to come off his long run and, and talk about Duckworth Lewis, which I know he's been waiting to do, to waiting to do so, since Sunday. So, 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 Duckworth and Lewis actually were st- statisticians, mathematicians at what was Bristol Poly, now the University of West of England. And if you remember, those of you who can, or you look back to the John Player League days, what used to happen is if it was rain. They would do it by average scoring rate, which was really unfair because your team number one might have batted 40 overs and scored 160. Team number two had five or 10 overs to bat to get four runs and over. And they had all their wickets to do it. And that's the key. So Duckworth Lewis basically did a huge data crunching exercise and it's based on resources. So the whole complicated formula is designed to say in simple terms if you made 160 and 40 and 20 overs let's say to make it relevant for five then the other team only has 10 overs to bat they have effectively got twice the resources because they've got 10 wickets to last 10 overs so that's why it's not 80 it might be 120 for example and then if you get these games like we did on sunday where you get a rain interruption and then it resumes you have even more complicated there is a there is a website probably a number of websites where you can actually put the numbers in and do the calculation but it's as simple as that and what what prompted it those of you who remember was the 92 world cup in australia semi-final when South Africa it rained and South Africa ended up having to get something ridiculous like 22 off and over no it was because, 22 off a ball off a ball sorry because ball, of the yeah. way they, they, yeah they, because, I think they needed like 23 off seven balls yeah and then it, they went off for however long it was and came back and it was 22 off a ball so it was it went from being really really tough I mean 23 off and over back in you know, back in those that days, that was, was a yeah, that was a lot was in those days. Possible, yeah, to to actually impossible. So it's just it's just that whole concept put simply, and it, it, it at its essence, it's very simple. It's about obviously if you've got ten wickets and are only batting ten overs, you can go gung ho a lot more than if you've got ten wickets, fifteen or twenty overs. So that's that's the principle and that's why if you if you're in the ground and look at the scoreboard and a wicket falls you'll see the Duckworth Lewis par score can shift quite markedly which obviously can, I've been to games where like that was quite exciting then because your team's a head stroke behind and then a wicket falls and it completely flips yeah I thought it was pretty fair on Sunday 
the uh, Duckworth Lewis, mm. because if you know Essex Essex were batting as if you know on the assumption that they'd be facing 20 overs, and it turned out to be only 18. If they if they'd known at the start that it was going to be 18, they'd have gone a bit harder, and but they they'd lost a lot of wickets. So I th- I thought that was I thought that was about right. Mm. I think in T20 though, it always does seem to favour the side batting second a lot more than the side batting first, purely because if it's going to be rain reduced, then it's going to be less than 20 overs. And yeah. the way that you can score in T20 cricket these days, you don't even have to go gung ho really to, you know, to score at 12, 13 and over the, the guys these days are perfectly capable of doing it, playing what you might term as orthodox T20 cricket shots and, you know, not trying to slog it out the park. So I think the real the real difference is that if you're batting second, you know what you've got to do. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're batting first and there's rain around, you don't know, you know, whether to expect the rain and go go really hard in order to set, a, you know, a tough duck worth Lewis, or just to play, you know, the, the normal way on the assumption you're going to get 20 overs. Whereas, you know, the side batting second, I was really pleased last night, for example, when Tom, Tom Abel won the toss. Um, a, Somerset preferred to chase, but B, Somerset would know exactly what they've got to to do in the event that um, there was a, a a rain interruption. But I don't think on, I hard. think off so, balance it's it's you know there've been one or two silly ones, but but you know by and large I think it's worked pretty well. Yeah. I think another factor is the innings that the rain interrupts. I think batting first when there's rain, batting first in a rain affected match works better if that first innings is not interrupted by rain. If the mm. second innings is then interrupted by rain, you know, you, you can potentially, actually, you would have preferred to bat first, I think. I, I think a good example is 2019, um, Somerset Hampshire at the Rose Bowl. We batted first and had our full 20 overs um, and got a big score. And then Hampshire had their innings interrupted a couple of times. They lost, a lot, you know, they had to get a big score. They had to get, a, you know, they had to start very well and they didn't. They lost wickets because they knew they needed a high scoring rate, you know, to get ahead of the par score. Um, and the interruptions didn't help them, and ultimately we won comfortably um, on Dr. Lewis when the um, when the rain eventually, you know, uh, curtailed the match. Yeah. Radio. So there is just one little chink in the uh, in the bodywork, if you like, of these these first three matches has been the form of Tom Banton at the top of the order. Um, I mean, I've not. I've obviously seen him on the live streams, but I've not sort of seen him in person. Does he look like his old self? He said not quite, but he, he seemed to be playing himself into a bit of form last night. Hmm. Um, I mean, that shot he got off the mark with was gorgeous, yeah, wasn't it? That little absolutely. push behind point that flew. Uh, I mean, it, it you know it was a little bit easier because he didn't have to go hard from the start. So they were only chasing 124 and. Uh, you know he, he but he, he just seemed to be settling into a bit, a bit of a groove and I think you know I, th- I think he'll, he'll come good but he is still a bit conflicted you know um, because his sort of hallmark shot you know the pick up with you know that wrist wristy pick with the fast hands that carries the ball over the top of the Andy Carrick pavilion it's got him out a good few times, and and you can almost sense him hesitating before before he plays it. But 
I think I think he'll come good, and I think he and Smead are potentially a very very devastating opening partnership. If if they both come off together, the ball's going to be flying everywhere. Great to watch. He's kind of. Do you think he's sort of caught between two stools because he's he said on interview that he's trying to give himself a few more balls at the top top of the order to play himself in. Mm. It just looks to me like he's just I don't know, just not playing sea ball hit ball. No, he's not. I mean, it, 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 there's a bit of the sort of Chris Gale about him. In in the, you know Chris Gale who, who will play a lot of dot balls and then you know and then suddenly whack a huge huge shot. I think Tom, Tom plays best when he's when he's working it around. Yeah, Gale yeah. was just so relaxed though and so confident that he knew that even if he faced six, seven, eight dot balls at the start and didn't score, he just had the confidence, the swagger to just you know just yeah yeah. This is me. I'm in control. And then he'd use at those dot balls, and then he'd just go bang, and then just start smashing it everywhere. I just wonder if Banton is doing it because he's he's like forcing himself to do it. If that makes sense, he's he's trying to think. No, I'm I... doing this because it will make me a better player, rather than just doing it because it's something that comes is coming naturally. I I I don't know. It just I think I he's know. just he hesit- hesitating to play the big shot. He's hesitating to play, play, play the big shot. I just think he, in, instead of blocking, you know, block, 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 smash, he just did do what he did last night. So cool. work the ball around, pick up singles. There were plenty of singles on offer, even even in the power play, because they're very quick between the wickets and they ran very well last. Oh, well, the internet in uh, Langford must be going busy. Sorry, I'm going dodgy. It sounded like the in- the internet in Langport's going a bit dodgy. We put 50p in the meter. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I can see you all right. But anyway, I think I think Tom Tom Banton is is coming back to form. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Steve, Dan? What do you make of Tom's start to the uh, to the blast this this year? I've I've been quickly. I've been really impressed with him in both forms. I thought. Although you look in the book and he hasn't got that many, I thought he's, he's shaped quite well in the championship, was clearly trying really hard. And Carl Abbott mentioned that on commentary last night and was, was saying he was quite impressed with how Banton gutsed it out in that game a couple of weeks ago that we've all chosen to forget now. So I'm not worried. I, I think it's a bit like he's going to break out. And my goodness, when he breaks out, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just hope he does it for us and doesn't wait till later in the season for the other lot but you know two batsmen like that at the top of the order your worry is that you lose two quick wickets and we've been good in getting quick wickets when we've been bowling so far but at the moment one's coming off and the other one's doing a bit but not and as long as that keeps going that's really what you ask for um and I think they've got the batting order pretty much spot on now because you've got Russo comes in and just only has one way to play but then you've got Abel and Lamanby who both can knock it around if needed and can go up through the gears quite quickly if needed. And, you know, you are going to get all the top five, top six are going to get a run of two or three games where they probably don't get 10 in total. But they're all good enough. You know, they'll they'll all win you a game or two. So I'm not not at all worried if we're, if we're talking about him in two weeks time and we're through the first phase of the T20s and he's not. 
had many runs, I'm still not going to be that worried because I, I think he looks a better version of himself than he did last year. He looks a lot more like he's enjoying his cricket again, which clearly all the, the bubbles and COVID implications knocked out of him. So, And also, just to quickly say, the two Aussies that were in the Hampshire side last night were both big stars of the uh, big bash. McDermott was the leading run scorer, I think, for most of the competition. And was, you know, was making 90s and 100s for fun. Um, and the quick whose name I've forgotten as well now was quite a serious player last Nathan year. Nathan so. Ellis. Nathan, Nathan Ellis. Ellis. Yeah, so there's... He's, he's, he started badly, and got, and, but actually by the end, he went for 17 in his first over. But mm. but when he came back later on, he bowled really well. Mm. bowler. So we got Sussex tomorrow. Um, I presume we're going to keep the side unchanged unless unless there's any injuries. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine there'll be any changes. No. Um, but the big surprise for me was uh, Wednesday night or last Wednesday night to see uh, Tom Lowenby with the new the new ball in his hand. I don't think anybody any of us uh, saw that one coming. He's obviously. I mean, that's obviously been planned for a little while because you don't just kind of rock up on the day and say, right, who fancies opening the bowl in in a T20 game? This is all, you know, all these plans and preparations would have been carried out uh, a long time before. So, yeah, and to be fair, it's worked pretty well. But, uh, yeah, I did, well. <laughs> didn't see that one coming. He's, he's really very well. good at bowling like Josh Davey, that pace off stuff early on, isn't he? Which seems to, yeah. you know, has worked very well for us. He's bowled a very good tight line as well. He's, you know, he's bowled straight. He's bowled a sort of hard length, you know, a, good, a sort of full, good le- good length. And he's varied his pace nicely. And um, he swung it last night more than any, more than any of the any of the other bowlers. And, you know, you can't argue with his figures. And... Um, Kyle Abbott wanted to know why he hadn't, why he hadn't been bowling in the championship match. He was he was so impressed with him, and, and of course it was because he had a foot injury that we didn't know about at, at the time. But no, and the, I mean the bowling has been a revelation, quite honestly, absolute revelation. I mean, they, you know, they haven't been bowling down the leg side. They haven't, by and large, been bowling short and wide. They've been keeping it pitched up. They've been bowling straight, 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 making the batsman make the running. You know, making the but forcing the batsmen into taking risks if they want to score quick quick runs, and that's when you get the wickets. And it's been the wickets that that we picked up, particularly in in the power play, that that have sort of paved the way for keeping the t- total down and, and giving the batters a, a manageable total to chase. It's been really impressive. Yeah, well, they say if you lose three wickets in the power play, it's it's virtually impossible to win from there. The stats, it's something like. 95 percent or something mm. i can see dan getting onto google no no but i don't it, know it's pretty difficult, to, it's pretty difficult to to win your way back from uh from losing three wickets in power play um so busy today and the wi-fi was so bad here i didn't get around to asking for any listeners questions so we'll have to pop those on the back burner for next week um tom abel's just going about his continual improvement as a t20 batsman Beautiful innings down at the uh, down at um, Canterbury on the opening night. You know they they let the they let the rate creep up him and Russo, but they kind of let it creep up in a controlled way because they knew that once it got to sort of ten or eleven, that's when they needed to go bang and and they had the game to do that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
absolutely impressed with Tom. Do we think? I mean, it's difficult for him to get into that England white ball side, but do you think possibly that is a a more viable route for him? Where the three lines are getting well, the, the, the stat that the stat that seems to stand out is his strike rate, because they mentioned Anthony's colleagues mentioned that on commentary last night. Him and Lammers have phenomenal strike rates, and you know why. I mean, that partnership they had against Gloucestershire last year, that phenomenal recovery, where they both rotate the strike so well. It's not, you know, we were saying earlier about four, six, dot, dot, dot. It's never that, is it? You know, they find yeah. they're so aware at gliding the ball into the gaps. And I, I think the thing I thought last night was our ground fielding was very good and Hampshire's wasn't. And that's the pressure that the likes of, you know, all of them, Smead, Banton, maybe not Russo to such an extent, Abel, Lamanby. When you're, well, they like hiding Russo in the field, don't they? He had a couple of ricks last yeah. night, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, did. But, I, it's very strange because um, Kyle Abbott said he, he was regarded as a really good fielder at Hampshire, but he's been down at you know third man, fine leg, long on, and and even there he was he was fumbling it last night. Mind you, it was, it was difficult last night, very greasy. It's quite a quite a lot of grass on the outfield. It, it was tough fielding, but Somerset's fielding has been you know one of the hallmarks of the side for several seasons for a good many seasons now, and, it, and it's certainly not getting any worse. Mm. I don't think we put a foot wrong in these first three games, have we? Can't remember us dropping a catch. No. Not no. too many fumbles. We've, we've held those sort of 80% chances as well. The Abel's one running back, as I said earlier, the Josh Davey ones. Ben Green's made taking catches in the outfield look like shelling peas, hasn't he? It's been you know, very, forget, very Lewis impressive. Goals, Lewis Goldsworthy oh, at yes. eh? yeah. What a spectacular catch that was. Yeah. And Lamanby and Smead last night as well. Last ball yeah. of the innings. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it the last ball? Near the end. Well, Lamanby and Roloff, wasn't it? Was no, Smead. Oh, Smead. Smead. Oh, Smead. Mm. Oh, we, we, we briefly that mentioned that That ball was way here. gone over the boundary when he clawed it back, wasn't it? It wasn't I, just... I, I was a bit surprised that nobody queried it because you know, it was a long way away from where I was, but it looked borderline to me, but... Was it Fuller, wasn't it? And he, and he just walked off. And good look, you know, good for him. But it was a brilliant piece of uh, fielding. Definitely one for the shortlist for a sparkling cider moment of the year. We haven't just, have we um, had one of those. Have we had one of those before? I can't remember us having one of those sort of combination relay boundary catches. No. I was thinking that. I don't Jamie remember. Jamie Overton did one a couple of years ago, didn't he? Where he kind of palmed it up and stepped back in himself. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Overton. Did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was that would have been great for Anthony's commentary cabin because it was right in front of where that now is. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've been up in the postures, Gibber, you wouldn't have been able to see it because it had been right. Yeah, there. well, on first, first Sunday against Essex, I was on the Thatcher's um, terrace. And fantastic view, absolutely brilliant, and it just makes oh, such nice. a difference. You have no idea how how much more enjoyable it is to commentate from a good vantage point than it is <laughs> when you're peering up to try and see what the hell's going on on far side of the ground. Radio Somerset Pod. <laughs> Rumor has it though that Spencer was running up and downstairs with oxygen cylinders for the pair of them because they were so high compared to where they've been this season. Well, not Mark, obviously, too. his first game. But Anthony, they were like, "Yeah, are you all right up at that altitude, Anthony? Or do you need any assistance?" Uh, that was great, really great. 
I think the thing I love, I mean, I love listening to the commentary, but Mark is so laconic and so such a good foil for Anthony. And when the moments that I laugh out loud when I'm listening, I went, Anthony says oh, something tremendous has happened and his voice really brings the drum. And then Mark says, well, he shouldn't have really bowled it there, should he? That's a poor <laughs> delivery. And it just goes, you just feel like he's got this huge pin and he's constantly piercing these balloons. So it's so funny. So funny. He reads the game so well, though, Mark. He's, he's, absolutely, he's a joy to work with. And of course, the, just mentioned the Essex game. That was part of a double header with uh, Western Storm, who beat. Sorry, Dan. There's so many sides. That Sunrisers. 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 I know Sunrisers. all about it. Now. <laughs> I did the commentary. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, forty uh, odd run victory over the Sunrisers. Uh, so we've got a few runs. Seventy-eight. Yeah, she batted really, really well. It was the first. It's the first game of women's cricket I've actually watched all the way through. And certainly the first game of, of women's cricket I've commented. That's good. As you were commentating, I'm glad you watched it. I thought whole game if you were commentating. <laughs> well, I, I had a very good summariser in, in Jordan Heath, who knows a lot about women's cricket. So, so that 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 made it easier. But it was quite difficult, for, given the, the vantage point. The call? You know, a whole lot of cricketers who I'd never seen in my life before trying to trying to trying to pick them out. But they, I was really impressed with the with the standard of play, um, particularly. I mean, there were one or two misfields and one or two catches went down, but some some of the fielding was was excellent. Heather Knight took an absolutely stunning catch. I mean, one of the best catches, high leaping high and taking it one hand one handed above her head at uh, at, at mid on, and um, Sophie Luff batted beautifully. So what does that put the West? Really hit it. Sorry, I think you've vacuumed. Sorry, I don't know whether it's my crappy caravan park Wi-Fi or or (laughs) landport Wi-Fi. I don't know. One of us is stalled anyway. But um, Dan, how does that put Western Storm for qualification in not the Kia Super League, uh, the Charlotte Edwards Cup? Yeah. So. Central Sparks are on 13 points, Southie Stars 12, Storm are on 9, Sunrise is on 0. Uh, it's 4 points for a win, and you, you can also get a bonus point for winning with a run rate 1.25 times the opposition. Um, so you can get 4 or 5 points for a win, basically. So Storm basically need to win their last two games, um, which will be tough. You know, Stars and Sparks are two of the best sides in the country. Um, if they win them, they should be through out of thought. Then, yeah just trying to do the maths quickly i'm pretty sure they would be through um there'd be no way that both of them could catch them um so yeah that'd be great but yeah it's, it's two tough tests coming up uh so it's tomorrow isn't it the next game uh away to uh, sorry, bristol, home, isn't it? bristol yeah there's a double header on tv actually it's which is good it's on sky uh it's around 2 30 start i think um and then yeah they finish um away at new road against central sparks on saturday um but yeah no it'd be great to see them um reach finals day um you know they they just missed out last year and they, they were obviously they were gutted if they could do it this year uh it'd be great outside chance wouldn't it mm. yeah it will be difficult yeah both those both those sides they're gonna play are very good just checking the club website to see if there's anything that we we haven't talked about um the first uh, first 500 punters through the door get a free pint of Thatcher's tomorrow night, Anthony. 
So they'll use your press pass to I'm, just go I'm in drinking, one day. I'm drinking my um, prize-winning cider, as I hope. This is what I'm entering to the in, in the British Cider Championships at the Bath and West, which starts on Thursday. I thought you were the judge at the, at the cider category no, I, at the Bath and West no, Festival. I'm not, I'm not judging this year, so somebody else. And, and it's all blind tasting as well, so that nobody knows it's, it's my cider. But it's not bad. Oh, I'll have to have bring a couple of bottles along next time. I'm uh, I'm on uh, inches medium apple, medium apple well, cider that's, tonight. That's good it's stuff. Not too, not too bad. Um, there is uh, one more thing to mention. Really... Um, today, this today the squad was name for the uh, Netherlands yeah. ODI series, but no Somerset players are in there, which I was surprised by. I thought Bantam would at least be a uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's great. For, <laughs> Blast for sure, yeah. I'm disappointed for Banter though. I think I thought he'd be in there. Um, he did well in the T20s in the West Indies, didn't he, earlier this year? But obviously, this is ODI, so it's different. But I mean, so they've gone with Phil Salt over him effectively. I think that's the spot. That, David Payne as well, haven't they? Yeah, sorry, yeah. David Payne's going, yeah, he is, yeah. And Bryden Carl, I bet, well, I bet Gloucestershire are really pleased about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardly played a game from all season. He comes back yeah. and he goes straight <laughs> up in the England squad. So. They're completely pointless well, those, uh, they're middle of, Are they middle of June, those ODIs? Yeah, they're quite soon. Um, yeah. So in the 17th, 19th and 22nd, Ian. There we are. Oh, I'd well, have okay. thought Alex Hale's an ideal choice for an ODI trip to the Netherlands, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> worth, worth also mentioning that you know, we were talking about Tom Abel just now, how close he possibly is to the Eagle side. He probably is still quite far away. If you look at the players that have been left out of this tour, you know, Banton, Vince, Billings, there are others as well, I'm sure, that we could name um, from around the country. Mr. Harry Brook as well as another one who obviously he's playing in the test, but he would be in you know, in the ODI squad if it, if it wasn't for the test. There are a lot of talented white ball batters around, as we know. Um, so I think the test team is probably where you know there's less talented red ball batters so i think abel's probably a bit further up the queue in in tests so are we now at the stage where we pick our 50 over team based on 20 over performances yeah hmm. absolutely bravo bravo ec it's not ideal well done despite what some people say batting in you hear on Sky sometimes, oh, this guy, he'll, he'll, he'll bat like it's a T20 in this 50-over match. And I just think, no, he won't. The, the the scoring rate in ODIs and T20 matches is different. It's still quite different. Like, T20s and ODIs have got closer over the last 10 years. But there is still a very, it's still a very different art batting in ODIs to T20s. There's a different balance between run scoring and wicket preservation. So it will be interesting to see how players go if they have are coming into this series off the back of no 50 over cricket for a couple of years you know there will be some guys i'm sure haven't played 50 over cricket since the 2019 royal london cup um for example luke wood who's been picked for this tour david payne probably as well um some of the others their own 50 over games will be odis that have been played since then so it's yeah they've made it difficult for themselves reason number 700 why the hundred is a Stupid idea. Oh yeah. Right. Do we have any other business chaps? Don't think so. More to discuss from the weird and wonderful world of Somerset. We haven't mentioned anything about the dragon and the wyvern this week because there's been no news about it. Well, um, did you see Mike Unwin's photograph on Twitter of the wyvern 
cap for the the wearing I did, yes. Mm. Contrasted next to the picture of the dragon cap. That's right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm. Which is further. Well, on that basis, I'm, my only other business is why isn't Jake Libby in the England squad then? Because I have to get him into every podcast. So. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> any of them. All of them. Um, test match starts Thursday, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What day was Tuesday, yeah. So, I, I mean, I assume that we kind of expect Craig, both Craig and Jack to play. No. We well, don't. oh, there's a there's a rumor that Broad is going to be left out and Craig will play. Uh, and apparently, they do want to play a spinner. So, I think we can at least be I sure. I think that Jack will play. Yeah. I'd, I'd be very surprised if Craig gets in. What ahead of Potts will play. Ooh, you reckon? He's the new golden boy. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been bigged up everywhere, and I I can't see them not playing. I mean, I hear what Dan says. That's very it's very interesting. I hadn't heard that, but um, you know, after all the fuss there's been about um, Anderson and Broad, you know, not being taken to the West Indies and how this was all, you know, um, they were going to play their best team come what may. I'd be very surprised if. I mean, I, just imagine how Broad is going to react if he is left out. Well, they should be. They should be playing Jamie Porter. I mean, he blew him away single-handedly in that representative game um, last week, didn't he? Yeah. Did sure, horses and horses. Yeah. Like a seeming seeming wicket. Jamie Porter is is really really good because he's sort of half-powered Glenn McGrath, you know, he'd, he'd lands it there and there or thereabouts, ball after ball after ball. And, um, but on a, on the, what we hope is going to be a decent Lord's pitch. He's, he's not got enough pace to, uh, to worry the New Zealanders. I think Craig would be unlucky. I think he's bowled really well this season. Uh, he wasn't at his best maybe in, in the West Indies, but it's, he's really bowled well. And, but you know, it's, when you get a, a sort of new kid on the block and new management as well, you know they want to sh- want to show that they're freshening the whole thing up. And I think Potts is Potts is ahead of of, um, of Big Craig. Well, from a Somerset Somerset perspective, let's just hope that he isn't dragged round uh, the various Test matches, uh, carrying drinks and water bottles. Let's hope that they're going to take a sensible, pragmatic approach to all the the various uh, concussion replacements and whatever it is they need, and they can just pull somebody out of a out of a county game rather than uh, just having them sit twiddling their thumbs uh, for three or four days. Um, so we've got Sussex tomorrow, and then Glamorgan on Friday. Then we've got a nice little break until the, the big one, the Gloucesters next Thursday. All right. It's been a lovely episode, guys. Nothing really much to yeah, moan about. Nothing to complain about. Everything's going swimmingly. <laughs> Anthony's back to an elevated commentary position. Somerset three wins out of three. Everybody's scoring runs. Everybody's bowling well. Life is good. It is. Right. Should we... Coolio. Right. Should we do Monday next week then, guys? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on holiday. Oh, you're on holiday. Where are you going? I am. I am in Germany for a week meeting Germany. a friend meeting a friend who lives out there very good well enjoy enjoy germany um we'll catch up with you guys uh next week and uh yeah 
sorry, I'm incredibly tired. The kids have been absolutely winding me up all day. You don't know how easy you've got it at work, but when you're dragging, uh, dragging the kids around St. Michael's Mount today, I'm absolutely knackered. So uh, apologies for not being on top form tonight, guys. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna get an early night, and then we may be going to the uh, whatever company makes Rattler cider. We're probably going there tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For purely medicinal okay. purposes, clearly. Absolutely, absolutely. Radio. It's a bit difficult now because I've got I've got the record button on the laptop to push to re- stop recording that, and then we can stop recording the podcast and then just carry on chatting. So this is kind of all melanging into one so this will probably be out for uh for universal consumption in fact it is so for uh steve dan and anthony uh all the best to uh tom abel and the boys uh for the sussex game and the uh upcoming games in the vitality blast uh over the next couple of weeks but uh yeah we'll catch you next monday night goodbye everyone Cheers. Cheers. Well, guys. Cheers guys.